Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We got bigger concerns than poop phones, Rami. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. One, two, three. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. You know, I think it became clear um, within a very few days of our initial announcement that it was going to be longer um, than we had initially thought. Obviously, uh, we announced a, a couple of week delay uh, originally, and uh, shortly thereafter, we realized it was going to be much, much more than that. My optimistic outlook is that at some point in May, we'll be gearing back up. Um, we'll have to make a determination depending on what the precise date is uh, as to how much of a preparation period um, we need, whether that preparation period is going to be done in the club's home cities or back in Florida and Arizona. And uh, again, I, I think the goal um, would be to get to as many regular season games as possible and um, think creatively about how we can accomplish that goal. We're gonna win twins, we're gonna score. We're gonna win twins, what's that baseball score? Uh, first pitch was an hour ago, I believe. <laughs> How's the game going? Uh, to be determined. Still, actually, oh, come on, you could give me good news. Cheap plug tonight. Two things happening. We are all across all of the possible platforms tonight with two different things. Mackie and Jeb with Rami here until six o'clock. But at six o'clock on AM fifteen hundred scorenorth dot com and the scorenorth app, game one sixty three rewind. All kinds of people were watching MLB Network's feed of game one sixty three today, including. The Twins account and Dustin Morris are sending out selfie photos and videos from players who played in the game. And so if you've got the game 163 itch today because there's no actual baseball going on, so let's relive some of the great Twins games. We have a great Minnesota Sports Rewind episode at 6 o'clock here tonight. And at 6.15 tonight on Scorner Twitter, Facebook, and Twitch, yeah, we will have opening day. I'm using air quotes. Opening day between the Twins and the A's, MLB The Show 2020, Mystery Science Theater 3000 style with the Score North Twin Show. Derek Wetmore, Phil Mackey, myself, and Rami Makloff. And then Judd will do a special post-game edition of Evening Judd on Score North Twitter, Facebook, and Twitch. So we've got your baseball itch scratched tonight, starting now, going forward. Gentlemen, I'm still like, I'm still, it's not going to set in for me really until tomorrow. Like, I am still treating today as if it's a celebration of baseball. That's the way I'm looking at today. How are you guys looking at today? I'm trying. I'm trying. <laughs> oh. I know, but I 
It's just Poor not. Ronnie. It's just not the same. It's just not. It's a, we're we're supposed to have baseball right now, guys. We're exactly. That's exactly how I feel. That music is exactly how I feel today. I'm trying. I don't know if you guys can see us. We're streaming live, Twitter, Twitch, and Facebook. I'm trying really hard, guys. As a matter of fact, I will stand up for the stream just so you can see not only the Cubs light jacket and the Bombas 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 t-shirt from Score North. Got on the Cubs shorts today, guys. Got on the Cubs shorts. Nice. Yeah, I'm all decked out like it is opening day. But it's it's not. I'm trying, but it's just standing up. it's just not the same. That the shot was just a shot of his belly. That's all it was. Was it? No, yeah. not on my computer. Oh no, on. Do I need to stand further back? You might need to. Was because... the was the creaking noise your microphone <laughs> or was it your knees? I think dude. that was his knees. No, that was the, that was both actually. <laughs> Sound like you're in a haunted house. Now can you see the shorts? <laughs> now you look like you're in a hostage video. Yeah, you really <laughs> do. I'm Hold fine. I'm perfectly fine. Rob Manfred has, has put you in a hostage Rob Manfred's not situation. holding me hostage against my will. Don't duck down. It does not help you. Just, well, no. we get the idea, though. Judd, how are, how are you feeling about today? Are you uh, are you trying to celebrate baseball today, or are you just as depressed as Rami is? No, I'm not depressed. In fact, I, I told uh, Rami at the outset of Score North Live, and he can give the plug in one second. It's weekdays, noon to two, Judd. It's me and a rotating cast of Score North personalities. You can listen to it anytime you want at scorenorth.com, the Score North app, and wherever you get your podcast. I believe the Twins' home opener is scheduled for April 2nd. Is that correct? That's going to be the day where I'm down because it's my firm belief that Major League Baseball should never start on March 26th. And the only reason it was going to do so was because they wanted to get it out of the way by the time the presidential election comes up in November. I've never really done a good job of getting my own head around baseball, regular season baseball in March. It's spring training month for me. So I'm actually not going to be that down. Now, April 2nd is going to be much tougher. Yeah, Judd's advice to me to make me feel better was don't be depressed today. Put off your depression yeah. for a week. Delay your depression. <laughs> Just be that's depressed next week. Way. Not today. Delay Push like, it off. I feel like that's the state we live in right now, though. <laughs> it's like, listen, like, this, this is probably going to be way more terrible in a few weeks, so don't be depressed today. <laughs> but do you enjoy, I mean, baseball, March 26th, it doesn't really jibe to me. Like It, it does, does for me. It doesn't really fire, so I'm actually okay right now it does for me just it's it's less about the date and and again this is gonna like this is gonna set in more tomorrow and the next day and the next day today was supposed to be the day as Derek Wetmore uh, has put it this is the this is the drumbeat of baseball that starts today ordinarily mm-hmm. it's a six month and seven month if you count the playoffs a seven month drumbeat it's old, reliable. You've got baseball every single night. And, yep. and from a Twins perspective, you've got Twins games on six out of seven nights. And never really since the, the 1994 strike where you, and even then, like it was only, there was middle of August when, when the, when the strike took place. So at least you got the drumbeat yep. for April, for May, for June, July. And you kind of saw this on the horizon. I mean, this is the first time in 25 years, 26 years that we're not going to have that drumbeat. For an extended period of time, and it is going to be super weird. Well, and with no sports across the board, it's really weird. Now, here's the other thing, because I was trying to be upbeat on Score North Live today, okay? I was trying to bring a sense of optimism here. Here's my other thing, and I've been doing this on Morning Judds for the past three days, and I will continue to do so. Because I do think once this gives us a chance that once sports and baseball in particular probably do come back, Mm -hmm. to appreciate it more. Think about all of the things that we love about sports but take for granted, right? Like to me, opening day, especially at home, 
When you walk in the ballpark for the first time and you see that immaculate grass and that infield dirt um, that's been dragged to perfection, there's not one speck of like a rock or, or pebble, right? Yeah, my, my childhood was more like, hey, well, look at the you, you astroturf. But <laughs> you, you got screwed. There's no question about it. And anyone who defends the dome, Boy, it was astroturf. Teflon looks yeah. a little yellow. Wow, look at those cutouts around the bases, how gorgeous like, they look. Is that, You're right. Is that white curtain in the right field yeah. upper deck that's meant to block off seats because they can't sell 50,000 tickets? Is that, know, has that been you know, dusted in 20 years? I don't know. I'm about to tear up. Looking at that gorgeous plexiglass in left field. Okay, you got screwed. <laughs> I agree. But just think about the little things about all the sports that we love, that we take for granted. And think about how much we're going to appreciate those things once they're back. Because we know now, for really the first time in our lives, it's all been taken away for now. You know, ordinarily, sports have gone on strike, right? So basketball's on strike, or hockey's out, or baseball's out, or football. And that's stunk at times. But there's been other sports to fill those gaps. Well, those gaps aren't filled now. So I think ultimately... Yes, it's tough right now, but we're going to appreciate it more down the road sure. that those things are there. So here's my question for you guys. All right, I have nothing but good news today. I'm nothing but no. Optimistic. Well, maybe there's room for some good news here in your answers to this next question. It's a it, it's three questions, and I'll just start with the first one, and then we'll move our way down. All right, the first question is: Do you guys think we will play baseball this year? Well, do you I'm, think Do you think the Major League Baseball season will take place this year? Yes, I do. I think we will see baseball this year. I think we won't see hockey and basketball, but I'm with Rami. I think we'll see baseball in either June or July, but I think we'll see some form of a season. It might not be satisfying, but it will be something, and and because it's been gone for so long, we'll be thrilled to have it. So I also think we will see baseball. I don't know if it'll be in front of crowds. I even brought up to Derek Wetmore on the Scorner Twin Show earlier today, which I believe will be podcasted here soon. Uh, the Scorner Twin Show will roll on, regardless of the fact that the Twins won't roll on here. But could you could you get to a scenario where you open up the ballparks, but not to thirty or forty thousand people, where you literally have like social distancing ticket policies, where like you every only sell like seat. you only sell like five thousand tickets. I don't, and know. you put tape on the back of each seat that that you can allow someone to sit on. Like, could we see <laughs> things like that so that hey, like we want to open up for revenue for teams to not. You know, take a complete bath in 2020. Like, could could we? I think there's things we might see that we haven't even really. Thought what about of. if if you do start the summer with games just on TV? Because if you think about the regional sports contracts, guys, those things are enormous. They are huge. So let's say it's a month of no fans, but it's just games. I'd be thrilled. I mean, I, mean, I would. As a fan, I would take it. Yeah, exactly. At as, this a, point, as an owner yeah. of a team, I I don't know. I love that I'm saying at this point, it's literally opening day, and I'm already like, just give me baseball. And any, however you give it to me, just hey, give me baseball. Hey, w- wouldn't you love to have, you know, take your pick, an NBA game on tonight? Yeah. I don't care. At this point in time, I really, I, I'm with you, Rami. I don't care if fans are there Give me the three on three uh, yeah. tournament. Yeah, give me something. Quarantine tourney. Let's do it. I'm with you. Let's go. I've actually become good just watching Jean-Claude Van Damme action movies. You know now. what? I got, no, wait, well, hold I, on. I just finished Bloodsport during during lunch in between the shows here, and I'll never forgive you guys. You just finished it? I just finished it. it. I started it last night, hey, and wait, I fell wait, asleep. You've never seen it before? No, I've seen it. I just forgot, hey, guys. Hey, I just Rami, forgot. first of all, I have nothing to do with that choice. That was all <laughs> Mackie. The note came from him. I sat down and watched the entire thing last night, and I have endless questions Good that Lord, we need to do. That will be tomorrow, the first so Mackie and Jeb with Rami action movie review on tomorrow's show. 
So here's question number two, okay? <laughs> we all agree that baseball will happen this year, just yes. probably more like middle of the summer. Yes. When will the World Series be played? Oh. I'm going to say around Thanksgiving. I'm going to say we're going to get a Thanksgiving-ish World Series. It's going to be late fall. It's going to be late, late fall that we get a World Series. Well, to what Rami read me as far as scenarios go, do we think there's going to be an official World Series as we know it, or or the tournaments that you were basically outlining as ways to end the season that might not be as, as satisfying as normal, but would be multi-team tournaments that would at least get us some baseball. Yeah, that was in the athletic article That's from uh, Jason Stark and Ken Rosenthal throwing out ideas. And I think these are the ideas that have been kicked around. This isn't just the two of them speculating. I think this is these are these are ideas that executives have pitched. And one thing that they've pitched is if it's only a 60 or 80 game regular season, which, you know, obviously isn't the sample size that minimizes randomness that a 162-game schedule does, that they would expand the playoff field so that teams who maybe didn't get off to as hot of a start but have have found their footing and, and we know are better baseball teams than what they might have shown early in the season get a chance in the postseason to do something. So they may expand the playoff field to 12 teams or more or if we don't really get a regular season just to just to give people baseball and and they quote one NL executive in this article who says it's important just for the industry you don't want a situation where the NBA playoffs are going even with no people in the arenas and you have the NFL and college football ramping up and there is no baseball I think there's a danger in not playing at all and I think he's saying that if you don't have baseball at all in 2020 it's sort of out of sight out of mind for fans and they move on to other sports so one thing that they're talking about is a a series of tournaments that would start with all six divisions playing a two-week round robin world baseball classic style tournament then play league tournaments which would involve all 15 teams then finish up with a 30 team championship october or november madness which would crown a champion but not one that would call itself the World Series champion. You know what? This is all scrambled eggs in my brain right now. I know. And I am all for it. Exactly. Yeah. Because yeah. baseball, this is like the perfect year for baseball <laughs> is, to try something. We talked about this. Any, Just try it. The, 2020, baseball-wise, if and when it can return, anything goes. Let's get nuts. Anything goes. Michael Keaton, Batman style. <laughs> you want to get nuts? <laughs> Let's get nuts. Yeah. And I don't know if it's a, if it's a World Baseball Classic tournament. Like the the problem with some of that is, you know, the the this is this is the catch twenty two with baseball. If your goal is to determine who the best team is, playing it out over the long run, almost like you see in the Premier League in soccer, where they don't even have a playoff. It's just hey, we're gonna play soccer for like eight months, and whoever has uh, the best record at the end of eight months is the champion. And you know, I just recently learned that's how they do it in the Premier League. Yeah, I mean they have like. They have tournaments. They have don't, Champions don't League. Don't hold your hands up like I should know that. This is America, Jonathan. We've been right? working together for a year and a half now. And, and you're you just ne- learning this you now? You never sat down and explained the Premier League to me, you thank God. You never asked. And that last <laughs> that last two words. Hey, Jonathan. Says it all. Mental note next yep. Tuesday, okay? Oh, yeah, I'm marking this down. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. He's out of the way. Don't enable this, Jonathan. Do not <laughs> enable this. Ron is out of the way. Cram <laughs> session. But, like, baseball's conundrum has always been... Well, it, it and it and it's true. It takes six months and 160 games to determine who the best teams are. It's you know, that you know, the the difference between the best teams and the worst teams. If you equate to an NFL schedule, is like there's nine and seven, and there's seven and nine, and there's a couple teams that get to ten and six, 
and a couple that are train wrecky at six and ten, but everyone is jumbled together. How much do we care about the sanctity of crowning the best team? Because if we care about well, that, then these tournaments or, and these small sample sizes. Ordinarily, I care a lot. In this case, Phil, I think you hit the nail on the head perfectly. 2020, let's just find out. Like, it, we're not going to be in a predicament, and this is no one's fault, to be like, well, you're not doing it right. So let's use 2020 as a test, basically. Let's test it out. Let's test any rules that would have offended us or any other diehard baseball fan. I think for a year, we put that being offended on hold and say, try it. And some of them might stink, but who cares? My third question was going to be, how many regular season games do you guys need to feel like it represents a full season? 162 or nothing. in here. 162 or nothing. I mean, no, I mean, to, to really say that to really feel complete and like we got a a a a good sample size and we have a pretty good idea of who the best teams are. Is that what you're asking, or just what will we be satisfied with? Because what, like we've talked what about, will you be satisfied anything? With? Well, I, I guess blend those two into this because we're talking about sort of this balance between hey, the traditional season ultimately crowns yeah. the best teams at the end of the regular season, and then we kind of open up a little bit of a month-long crapshoot with these seven-game series, I right? I think 130, and you have, a, you, you have a pretty good idea by 130 who's who. See, my, my threshold for this year is more like, if you can give me 75 or 80 games... Oh, as far as I, what I'll be happy with, that's, that's a different threshold. That's a different bar to clear, because I'll be happy with anything. <laughs> like just like I said, just give me baseball. But like to be convinced and to feel like it was a complete season that crowned a true champion, one thirty is the number. Also worth noting, quick, I don't really care that much. Like a, at this point. so you're like between me and Ron. Yeah. Here's another thing worth noting: if let's say it was an eighty or one hundred game season, yep, teams would teams would plan strategically differently, and I think you would still see the cream rise to the top in a different way. You would like you wouldn't have a number five starter. Like you would you would you would you wouldn't roll out crappy starting pitchers because well my god we got to eat innings. Like it would be more of a sprint, and maybe you'd even see pitchers pitching on three days rest more often because they're not pitching thirty five times; they're only pitching twenty times. Uh, but I love some of these ideas. Like if you want to if you want to tell me right now in baseball, the only things worth watching are small sample size crapshoots for for most of the sports fans in America. It's mm-hmm. the wild card games at the end of the year. And it's like the game seven of the of the championship series or the World Series. Other than that, for six months in the regular season, it's been years since baseball said, "Hey, mark your calendars. You got to watch this game tonight." And if you're creating like tournament type things or a World Baseball Classic feel, yeah, you're kind of cheapening letting the cream rise to the crop over 160 games. But you're also creating appointment viewing for baseball. You know what they can try too, though. They they can try everything. If if they have to play um, two double dips per week now, my write that down. I'll go back to it. Play seven inning games, and then guess what? If you go to nine, which in in those games would be extra inning games, put a runner on second base in the ninth. A rule I previously hated. Try it. And here's my difference that I draw between baseball, basketball, and hockey. The NBA and National Hockey League started their seasons and played them until the work stoppage because of the uh, pandemic based on on the fact that they thought that they were going to have real years, right? Mm -hmm. And now they've been interrupted, and now they're going to have to come back, possibly and have training camps, just to have a truncated playoff, which is going to, to be weird. Where baseball, assuming that we can play, heck, let's say it's July 1st, assuming that we can play any portion of their season, they're at a starting point. So it's the year to try it. 
Like in basketball or, or, or hockey, I'm a little bit torn there because your original idea was a continuous championship season. Baseball knows the rules right now. For 2020, there's no way that their original plan can be in place. But when they do launch, hopefully they can continue to play and keep playing. So you've got basically a year to me in baseball, a sport that needs this, blank canvas. Yeah, You can try whatever you want. Experiment. Just do it. Sure. Yeah, And then if if, if you experiment and and it just gets widely panned and people hate it, then you can say, well, I mean, coronavirus we made us to, do it. I say yeah. let's get, let's really get nuts and home run derby instead of extra innings. Let's go crazy, folks. Hmm. I didn't like that That's at a first, little, but I can't. It's a little crazy. You're talking, about, crazy. You're talking about yeah. getting eyes on the sport? Who would be talking, the, so you'd have your own designated pitchers pitching to your own hitters like in a home run derby? Yeah. Pitching coach, I don't care. It's a home run derby. Or would you? Get, or would you get? To, you get to pick the pitcher on the opposing team, <laughs> and you can only throw fastballs or something. <laughs> you get to call about blood sport stuff. <laughs> so many questions. Uh, and the most important question, maybe here, is one that Judd put out on his Twitter account, I believe today. Did you really put out a Dome Dog versus Target yeah. Field hot dog poll? I, I got to see how that's going. I got a lot of votes very quickly. A lot of things I gotta, happening I got to sit day. this one out. I'm always up for a good food debate, especially when there are no sports to debate, but I, I don't, I, I'm not educated on the Dome Dog. A lot of people loved the Dome Dog. Target Field Dog I had, and it was, it was a hot dog. Uh, yeah, the dome, the dome dog, as Phil can confirm, was loved by many a college kid. Gotta say, I'm, I'm, I'm pro dome dog here, and I am not anti target field hot dog. Was there something special about the dome dog? It's just the dome dog. So good. The hormone. I don't even know how to explain it, man. I think it was plumper. It was juicier. It was plumper. Plumper, Plumper, right? Plumper's correct. There was a certain smell to it that I think was very unique. (laughs) It was good smell though, Rami. Uh, we're talking about a good smell here. Because yeah. hold on a second, I'm going. Uh, I'm going to find the poll that I put up. Oh, here. Okay, so the Dome Dog right now is outpacing the hot dogs at Target Field with 725 votes. Uh, 76.3 percent preferred the Dome Dog to 23.7 percent wow. wow, on the Target Field Dog for a hot dog to really stand out. Like it has to be a really good hot dog. Like I heard about Dodger dogs for years, and then I, I went to spring training in Arizona, and I went to the Dodgers facility, and they sell Dodger dogs there, and it's it's just. It's just a big hot dog. Like there's nothing there's nothing special about it. I was like, why have people been talking about this thing like it's like it's legend. There's lore around the Dodger dog and it was it was just a long hot dog. There was nothing special about it. Was there something special about a dome dog? Listen, I think the most special thing about the dome I'm dog I'm a bit of a wiener snob. Rami, I think the most special thing about the dome dog is is the fact that there was a song attached to it. There did was you, a what? Did, did you know that there, was, that there was a song it? attached to it? Excuse me? So so every single game at the Metrodome, they would pick the row of fame, the Hormel hot dog row of fame. Yep. And everybody in that row would get free hot dogs, and they'd show it on the Jumbotron. Yep. Now that you are at the game, are you in the Hormel row of fame? If you're in a lucky seat. You'll win a Hormel hot dog treat. Bum, 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 bum. Great for lunch, great for dinner. You will be a wiener winner in the Hormel Row of Fame. What the hell just happened here? It was real. What the hell just happened here? We once sang that at a bar with the guy that wrote it, right? The guy who wrote the song during the the All-Star game that was here five years ago. So we're at uh, Devil's Advocate, I think it was. Yes. Downtown Minneapolis. Yep. And I don't know, somehow like 
the people that we were with knew someone at a different table, and we started talking about how, oh my gosh, on the show today, we started talking about the Dome Dog and the Hormel song, and one of our friends is like, no, you won't believe this. This guy at this table over here works for a marketing agency. He wrote that song in like 1990. Yep. So he came over. We got the whole bar to sing that song. Everyone sang it, Rami. It was great. <laughs> you talk about people being together. How, how do you know he's the guy? How do you know he wasn't just it claiming doesn't to even be matter. the guy? Oh, okay. It doesn't matter. Right. We got happy. the whole bar to okay. sing the song. All right. And he knew the lyrics. The I still don't him. know what the hell just happened here about two minutes thing. ago. I have no idea what that was. It's maybe the best drop ever that so, was created. Do you really think you're suited to be the fourth guy in our group, Buzz Killington? Thanks for chiming in. After that, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. How do you know? Did you check his Hormel credentials? <laughs> Sir, I need to see your license registration and Hormel writing credentials for the Wiener song. <laughs> Among other things, when we come back here to Mackie and Judd with Rami on Score North and the Score North app, Justin Morneau will join the show uh, as part of a special Minnesota Sports Rewind episode today, where we look back at perhaps the greatest Twins team ever to not win a World Series, the 2006 squad. Some great stories from Justin Morneau that we will get to when we come back on Score North. Uh, I'm glad you're still open. Open, open. Helping support our local businesses through the coronavirus crisis. We are open for business. This is open for business. Still open, yeah? Yeah. On Score North. And this episode is going to be just a little bit different here. Phil Mackey here, uh, open for business on Score North. And these are unprecedented times in our country, in the state of Minnesota. And so we've been looking to highlight the last couple of weeks businesses that are still open, still operational, still looking to serve people. And uh, and, th- and like I said, this episode is going to be a little bit different because we're here with Mike Welch, the tournament director of the 3M Open, one of the most fun sporting events in the Twin Cities. And Mike, we just wanted to give you the floor to talk about, I mean, with with sports basically going on hiatus here, and we're all hopeful that sports will come back at some point, uh, update the audience on the 3M Open right now, Mike. Hey, Phil, good afternoon. So let me get this right. I'm sandwiched between the Hormel wiener of the game and Justin Morneau. That's a tough, tough crowd, but I'm going to try my best. You're going to, the, the, uh, the opposing pitchers are going to throw you fastballs here, Mike. Yep. <laughs> thank you. Um, I appreciate the time. It seems like it was just 30 days ago where we were sitting talking about uh, golf at the Choice Bank Golf Show and meeting with the 10,000 swings folks. And, and obviously the world has changed so much in those 30 days. So, and you know, as you know, the tour has canceled all their events through May 17th, and it will resume with the Charles Schwab Challenge in Fort Worth on May 18th. Our tournament, of course, is July 20th to the 26th at TPC Twin Cities up in Blaine. And we're business as usual. And I know that that's hard to fathom in certainly unique circumstances like this. Um, and I would tell you that most companies aren't ready to have that conversation. And so we've taken the approach, and I've listened to this segment quite a bit, you know, very similar to what other companies have told you, Phil, is that we're meeting our partners, we're meeting our volunteers, we're meeting our spectators where they're at. And if they want to talk business, we're happy to talk business and and talk about our ticket programs, our sponsorship programs, our volunteer programs. And if they're not, we're here to empathize with them and, and talk to them about whatever is going through their heads in their business. And I think that's what any small business, and we're certainly, you know, we're a staff of 11. We have 2,000 volunteers that put on our event every year, but that's what we're here for. We're here to to lend uh, a helping hand to small businesses, many of whom are our partners. And so, again, in these unique circumstances, I think the best thing that we can do is, is be understanding and be empathetic when we're speaking to these small businesses, these prospects 
that we're talking to. Listen, I am by no means a doctor. I am by no means uh, anyone who should be commenting with authority on this. But it would seem like of all of the different sports, golf is the one that is probably the most protected in that, like in the NFL or any sort of football, you've got 22 guys sharing a field, right? You've got in baseball, 18 guys on a diamond and you know, golf is a very spread out sport in competition, in acreage, and and possibly even when it comes to to, to fans distancing themselves. So, um, you know how how much different do you think golf is compared to some of the other sports, and and what could that mean for for the three M Open? Yeah, I do think that you're you're right in that assessment. So it, it is more spread out. Um, the tour is looking at everything, right? They're looking at. Um, you know, events with no spectators, even though it is spread out. I would tell you that when we meet uh, weekly with our title partner, 3M, it is first and foremost that at every conversation meeting that we have that the safety of our spectators, of the players, of the staffers, and of the volunteers is, is paramount in anything that we do, and that's no different than every sporting event. But the fact that we are outside and the fact that we do have the ability to distance ourselves in what we think is a safe environment does go into that fact. Um, the governing body, the PGA Tour, will ultimately make that decision, and we're utilizing a strategy where we're a full go. We're utilizing a strategy that, um, hey, there might not be any spectators. And then, of course, the worst-case scenario, that if the Tour decides to cancel our event for this year, we're starting to plan already for 2021. But, yeah, I, I, I'm in agreement with you, and I think that as we get new information day after day on what this virus is doing, we're putting that all into the pot when we think about how we're going to approach operations of this tournament. So, Mike, for people who are interested in attending, people with tickets, as they want to follow along and, and be updated, where are the best places for them to just get the latest information over the coming weeks on the 3M Open? Yeah, 3MOpen.com uh, it gives you all the information on all of our ticket packages, uh, latest information on our COVID-19 policies, along with what the PGA Tour is dictating. Uh, we have a wonderful volunteer program. If those that are interested in volunteering up on our website, but that is the hub of where uh, our fans can get any type of information they want on the 3M Open. That'll be July 20th to the 26th. So. Awesome, awesome. And Mike, any just any final words for for the audience for golf fans out there? There's a lot of people that are just it's it, as we get to the you know 45 and 50 degree days here that are just sort of itching to get out and about. But any final <laughs> words from you? Well, I pre- I mean I. I we're certainly um, set up to have a phenomenal event, and, and we are uh, empathetic to what is happening. And and if this unfortunately goes for a number of weeks and months, um, listen, we won't be playing. But right now, we are firm believers that we think we're going to be playing. And because the Olympics were canceled, uh, we have an incredible opportunity to have a field of many of the top 15 players in the world. And if, if things are aligned and this this virus starts to get under containment, um, I can promise the fans of Minnesota that we're going to have a spectacular field and we're going to have an incredible experience at the 3M Open. It, it really will be an incredible summer event for all of Minnesota. That is Mike Welch, Tournament Director of the 3M Open and friend of Score North, friend of the show. We appreciate uh, catching up. We wish that the conversation was different and the times were different, but this is the reality and we appreciate the way that you're going about it and dealing with it uh, on behalf of the 3M Open, Mike. Yeah, thank you, Phil. I appreciate the time, and good luck to you guys as well. All right, that's another episode of Open for Business here on Score North. We'll come back. Justin Morneau will join the show when we come back here. It's still opening day to us, dang it, on Mackie and Jeb with Rami and on Score North. And one of our partners here is Federated Mutual Insurance Company. Federated is here to help business owners. Federated has over 100 years' experience 
helping business owners. Based in Owatonna, Minnesota, uh, you're guaranteed to get a relationship with someone who will be very attentive to the success of your business because at Federated, they believe their value is measured by the success of their clients. That means, simply put, if you win, they win. The seasoned insurance professionals at Federated will help you manage risks to help you avoid the devastation that comes with filing a claim. And if you do have to file a claim, you can take comfort in knowing that the extensive team of professionals is here to put their knowledge and experience to work for you. You go to federatedinsurance.com and you can find a full list of industries that Federated protects. Everything from auto services to contractors, dealerships, machine plastics and tooling, and a lot more. Federatedinsurance.com. And remember, Federated, it's their business to protect yours. Jonathan here with the Score North download. During the coronavirus outbreak, the need remains high for our local Ronald McDonald House as they work tirelessly to provide food, shelter, and a wide array of support services to families with seriously ill or injured children at their Twin Cities locations. Your contribution of any amount enables the Ronald McDonald House to continue to provide critical services to families dealing with a child's health crisis. Those services include overnight accommodations, complimentary meals, fully stocked pantries, laundry, and more. Thanks to Luisa Rise and the Minnesota Twins, one lucky person who makes a donation of any amount will receive a signed Luisa Rise Minnesota Twins jersey. To donate, please visit scorenorth.com. Keyword donate also over at scorenorth.com right now. Matthew Collar's got a big article on what happened between the Vikings and Stefan Diggs that led to the departure of Stefan Diggs. He was traded to Buffalo last week. Also, we've got plenty of opening day Twins coverage. Well, what would have been opening day Twins coverage, including Derek Wetmore's imaginary opening day lineup for the 2020 Minnesota Twins. That's been your score on download. Now back to Mackie and Joe with Rami. All right. Thank you, Jonathan. Justin Morneau here in just a couple minutes. All right. I need one of you guys, Judd or Rami. Give me your lineup for today. What would your Twins lineup have been today? Rami, go ahead. Oh, I got it. I got the lineup. Let's do this. It's not my lineup. This is the lineup that the Twins should be running out there Actually, whenever it's time you to play this, baseball. Let me fire up some appropriate music. Yeah, this might this music. might come on a little bit hot here, Jonathan. Just uh, just be ready. There we go. Mm. All right, let's do this. All right. Starting to feel it a little bit. That hole in my heart is filling up. Just a little bit. This is night quarter baseball. Leading off and Ma- in this right is, this field. This is the Major League uh, Montage song, I think, right? Leading off and in right field, Max Kepler. Batting second, third baseman, Josh Donaldson. Designated hitter, Nelson Cruz, batting third. Cleaning up and over at first will be Miguel Sano. That's a lot of lumber in the first four right there. Yes, it is. Mitch Garver behind the plate. He'll be batting fifth. Batting sixth, your shortstop, Jorge Polanco. Eddie Rosario will be in left field and batting seventh. Luis Arise batting eighth and at second base and batting ninth and in center field because he'll be healthy whenever we start playing baseball again. It is Byron Buxton, ladies and gentlemen. There is is your opening day lineup for your 2020 AL Central champion, Minnesota Twins. That is a ridiculous lineup. Like, look at that lineup on paper right now. Who Name for me right now, who are the three worst hitters in that lineup of nine? Kepler, Donaldson, Cruz, Sano, Garver, Polanco, Rosario, Luis, Arise! and Byron Buxton. Like, who the are worst? the three worst hitters in that lineup? Buxton. Is he? Rosario, um, probably because of the at-bats. And the low on base percentage. And the, yes. Yeah. And uh, the third one? Sano? I don't know, man. I think Snow is ready to pop. It's like Polanco or or Luisa, probably Arise. I don't know who that is. Oh, sorry. Uh, Arise. There you go. Crazy talk right there. I'm just trying to get a 
He's, he missed it. Arise! Out of Rami. Sorry. <laughs> he couldn't see a point. It, Sorry, fell, I could, it yeah. all fell apart. No, your screen froze up in my, it all in fell my, apart. In my picture. Here. Oh, sorry. I didn't see you pointing it. So just, if, like if, blood, just like Bloodsport, where it all falls apart. If we're, That'll be tomorrow. Good Lord, man. <laughs> Rosario, arise. <laughs> you made me watch it. I can't help myself. <laughs> Rosario, arise, Buxton. If those are your three worst hitters, all three of those dudes could make the All-Star game. Think about that. Like any of those three, any of your three worst hitters could make and the All-Star Burrios game. would have started today. My God. Well, now I'm depressed. <laughs> well, okay, okay. I'll, Took me 38 hold minutes. On, hold Took on. me 38 minutes. I, I came out of the gate to, so I'm I thought this was again. supposed to be an exercise in cheering up. I'm feeling no, baseball. Let's on. feel baseball-y. I'm, I'm going to try again I'm to, to put you in a positive, both of you in a positive no. state of mind. It's gone. With Judd's uplifting message of baseball. Okay? That's where we're at, by the way. That Judd is trying to cheer us up. You know we're in a time <laughs> of crisis when Judd Zolgad is the guy trying to find the silver lining and cheer us up. Dark times. I'm going to cheer you both up. So I, I actually just uh, wrote something for scorenorth.com about the Twins and about three things that we were hoping to start to see today, but obviously are going to have to be patient and wait for. And my third one was the rotation, and more so the back end of the rotation, because we knew Barrios, Odorizzi, and Maeda were set in stone pretty much, one, two, three. And here's what I thought about. When they come back and play, let's say they come back and play June 15th or something, all right? Here's the thing. Your four starter can almost certainly now be Rich Hill. Yeah. Okay. So, so right. Rich Hill. So, so instead of being like, is it going to be Homer Bailey? Was my guess is the four to start the season, and then the five would probably be between Dobnik and Smeltzer. But if you start on June fifteenth, I think you go Barrios, Odorizzi, Kenta Maeda, Rich Hill, and then Bailey. The one guy who's almost certainly stuck is Pineda. Because he's got 39 games left on that suspension. Yeah, that's And they're tough. not going to lift that suspension. But the Rich Hill um, rehab, which he's going to continue to do, could actually put him in your rotation on opening day now. That's the thing, like... If the twins do play a shortened season at this point too, they're just better. They're better equipped to handle it because we're chill. All right, all right. See what I did there, but like, Jonathan? Where, you my, like that? where my mind is still at here is, I just want to see Josh Donaldson take hacks in a twins yeah. uniform. I want to see what Miguel Sano looks like now, and I want to see Byron Buxton. And I don't know. Like, hey, Rick, Buxton, Rich Hill isn't going to pull me out of that lineup funk. Buxton might not have played today. That's true. I will say he the, wouldn't have. The more the more time that we wait, the more it benefits Buxton. Again. Nothing but uplifting positive baseball twins messaging. Rami's right. The fact that we're leaning on Judd for positive reinforcement yeah, right now. Yeah, that tells you. That says a lot, is. dude. That says a lot about where we're at as a country, not just as a show. <laughs> as, I don't a, wanna, as, as a, a society, country, yes. R- yeah. Rami, I do not want to talk about where we're at as a country. <laughs> Gentlemen, uh, this will be more uplifting. I mean, it depends on which way you look at it, but. Uh, but we had a chance earlier today, Judd, myself, and Derek Wetmore, for an episode of Minnesota Sports Rewind, which you can find on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere you find podcasts. We had a chance to talk with Justin Morneau to reminisce about one of the greatest Twins teams of all time, the regular season version of the 2006 Twins, and we dove into what happened in the playoffs, and he told two or three amazing stories that we had never heard before, including a couple stories about naked Mike Redmond. This is our conversation with Justin Morneau. Justin Morneau, the MVP of this aforementioned 2006 season. Uh, we appreciate you joining us. What is your lasting memory of, I mean, let's let's say it, it's one of the great seasons in Twins history. It's also one of the most bittersweet seasons in Twins history. What's your lasting memory, Justin? <laughs> 
depends on which way I want to look at it. Obviously, the <laughs> loss to Oakland was, uh, you know, not what we expected with the finish that we had. But uh, all in all, when you have time to look back on it, it was a good year. It started off rough and turned out pretty good for a lot of guys. So. Hey, Justin, what changed? So you you guys start the season with some veteran players who you had signed and get off to a rough start, and then uh, changes are made. Some young guys are brought up. When did you see things, as you recall this now, starting to uh, to shift from that rough start to not just being a good team but a very good team? Um, it's hard to say there was really one moment or one it was just sort of that development curve that kind of happens, you know, for me personally, Oh five was, you know, my first full season, but it was also a pretty rough year. You know, Oh four was pretty good. Uh, the half season we made the playoffs and all that kind of stuff. And was kind of expecting the same and, you know, that kind of got exposed a little bit on a major league level of not being prepared enough. And, you know, it started off kind of the same way in 2006. And then, and then all of a sudden, uh, realized uh, some things needed to change and you know we uh, kind of moved the lineup around a little bit and obviously we had Johan who was at that time one of the best pitchers in baseball so anytime you have him on your team you get a good chance but uh, I think it sort of came together when we all started kind of playing for each other and, and really taking as much pride in the guys next to your next to your success as, as your own and we started playing as a team and we started winning as a team and really it became uh, just a magical year. Yeah, Justin, you brought up Johan, and you know you could throw in Francisco Liriano to that mix too. I've heard some guys talk about this, and I wonder your take on it. What is the feeling when you walk onto the field and you know you got a guy on a mound that not only you're hoping to win or you think you might win, but you walk out there as maybe the first baseman and thinking, "Yeah, we're we're going to win today." Yeah, I mean, we had two of those guys going that were basically unbeatable for most of the season. I mean, when Liriano came up, it was just something. I, I, you'd never seen from a, from a rookie pitcher. I mean, he, we had the Cy Young winner on our team and he was not the best pitcher on our team. It was, it was amazing what Lariano did when he came up. I mean, we had guys from Houston getting the first base. I think, uh, I want to say it was Berkman struck out on a slider down and in. He missed it by about a foot and a half. And the only way he got the first is the ball went to the backstop because it was so nasty. He <laughs> kind of looked at me and this is a guy who was pretty well established at that point and said, where'd this guy come from? And this guy's nasty. He said, that was like Randy Johnson's slider. So, you know, we had that guy and we had Johan and we started to get hot and, and it looked like we were going to roll through. And then, you know, once we got into the playoffs, it was, to me, it was almost like a, a Kurt Schilling, Randy Johnson type situation. If we got in, we had, you know, a one, two punch that we, we felt was almost unbeatable. Unfortunately, Mariano got hurt and it, it didn't play out that way, but, uh, that's the season I look back on. You know, 10 was tough, you know, the new ballpark and all that. But 06, the way it ended to me was it was really uh, tough. What would have what would have been different in that series against Oakland if Liriano hadn't gotten hurt in your mind? So it went, you know, Johan did suffer a tough loss in game one. Uh, Boof was six innings and, and two runs in game two. And then there was the inside the park home run. And, and then game three was Fred Labrum, Brad Radke just grinding it out. But if, if Liriano was the number two starter in that series... Is it different? How do you think it's different? I just don't think. I think it's almost, I wouldn't say impossible because anything can happen, but the thought of, of beating Johan Santana and Lariano twice in a series, you know, either one of them seemed you know, unfathomable at that time. I mean, they were just so good. They were so dominant. You know, to think of if we get the ball to Santana again, there's no way they're going to beat him. You know, if we 
if we're backing that up with Lariano, it's like how 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 do you go up with the lineup, game planning, and then trying to beat two of the best pitchers in baseball it just doesn't seem realistic. Unfortunately, that's not the way it played out. But you know, uh, we still had a chance. We still had a good team, and the guys who were there did a good job. But obviously, it's that that one seemed like every year we were kind of one guy away from you know being healthy or really putting our full full squad out there in the playoffs. But it was still a great year. For, for you personally, Justin, how, how remarkable was that year? Because you had established yourself, as you talked about before, as a good player. But, I mean, that year's off the charts. You become the first Twins MVP uh, in 2006 since 1977 when Rod Crew won the MVP award. Just as you reflect now on that year, how special was that entire thing? It, it was just uh, the way it started, you couldn't have predicted the way it was going to finish. You know, it was one of those things where <laughs> I had hitting 230 at the end of May and, you know, getting benched in Seattle in front of my family. For me, that was the turning point. But, uh, you know, it was one of those years where I had Joe Vavra in my corner and I, you know, can't thank him enough. You know, he's back being a hitting coach again in Detroit this year. But he, he was there. I mean, no matter what I was hitting, he just kept saying, all this work you're putting in, it's going to pay off. You know, good things are coming. I could feel it. And I'm kind of trying to believe what he's telling me, but I'm in the back of my head going, this looks a lot like it did last year, but he was just there in my corner every day. We're in the cage working, working on controlling the strike zone, working on, you know, using my legs better in my swing. And, and, and then he's in there in my ear just saying, good things are coming. It's going to be a big year. Good things are coming. And, and he just kept saying it and he never, you know, never lost faith in me. And when you have somebody behind you like that, that, that really makes a difference. And, to me, I think that was a huge factor in, in my success that year. Obviously, the year Joe had was huge. The, you know, we had a good deep, we had a deep lineup. We had some good young hitters. So it was a combination of a lot of things. But I think I got to give a lot of credit to Joe Vava. This might sound weird, but did in some ways being benched in Seattle help in the long run? Oh yeah, of course. Anytime, you know, I don't want this to come out the wrong way, but you know, you can take money away from major league players you can find them but you can only find them so much you know where you really get hurt is when you lose that playing time this is you lose the ability to run out on the field that's when you really feel it as a player and, and especially for me being in seattle is the closest you know major league city to where i grew up i mean every time we went there it was 40 50 60 tickets you know my parents are there it was the only place they didn't have to fly to to come watch me play so all those things and and then i'm sitting on the bench watching and people are going why aren't you playing and you know, I was uh, a little distracted away from the <laughs> away from the field, to put it mildly. You know, I was too worried about entertaining all those people that were down there, and, and end up getting myself into into some trouble, and got to pay for a whole hotel room uh, or a whole floor worth of hotel room. So, <laughs> kind of uh, reinforced that lesson. And honestly, I walked into the office. The Terry Ryan was in there, Guardy was in there, and I thought I was getting sent down at that moment. I mean, I was struggling. I was, you know, not preparing the way I should be. It was kind of a repeat of the year before. And, you know, when they just told me they expected a lot more out of me, they, you know, I had Gardy telling me it wasn't so much of a lecture. It was more of a, you know, you need to wake up and see the talent that you've been blessed with and you need to be able to take advantage of that. And, and then everything kind of went from there. I, I started taking better care of myself. I started preparing better. I started, you know, just doing the little things you need to do to be a successful major league player. And, and when all those things came together, that's when it really kind of took off and, and, uh, you know, it was a it was a wake up call, and sometimes taking playing time away from a player is the best thing you can do for them. 
Justin, you obviously had a great year that year. and I'm going to ask you to talk about one of your teammates who had a really good year, too, and Joe, uh, going into the last day of the season. Now, I heard a story about uh, Joe Vavra sitting at his top step of the dugout or whatever, <laughs> sort of calculating out all the numbers as Joe got his two hits on the last day of the season. Do you remember that? And can you confirm or deny sort of the, the vibe in the dugout as that was happening? Oh, yeah, we were all... <laughs> Joe, so in the in the Metrodome behind the dugout, there was our little bat rack, and there was a couple of little computers back there. It was basically where they stored all the sunflower seeds and the, <laughs> sure. the extra gum and all that stuff. So it was kind of the bat boys' room, but we turned it into our makeshift video room. In those days, it was kind of when it was first starting to come in. We had the laptops back there, and you could go and check on the, the pitcher or your at-bats or whatever. And, and Joe was back there with a piece of paper writing down, this is what happens. He's got the calculator. He's figuring out, okay, if he does this, this is what we go to with. Cheater does this. This is what happens. This is, and he's going through all these scenarios in the back room. And as soon as Joe got two hits, they kind of put everything out the window. Yeah. But it was it was one of those things where we were all aware of it because we knew. You know, it's very rare that you get to understand that you're witnessing history. You know, you you see it as a perfect game's going along and all that kind of stuff. But the first catcher in the American League to win a batting title, you know, just the significance. Everyone understood. Joe was the hometown guy. He came from there. Everyone was cheering for him. Everyone you know, wanted to see this success story and, and we all kind of were aware of it at the same time. The game was still important. You know, we still needed to win that game. So there was a lot going on that last day. But yeah, that's definitely a true story. <laughs> Justin Morno, what is your best your best Mike Redman story that uh that won't get us all fired? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well uh, yeah, there's a few. I don't know. I I used to, I used to love them. We always used to do the day games. We do the anthem on the field, and a lot of the day games. You know, Joe caught a lot of games, but Red Red got a lot of the day games behind the plate, and we'd be sitting there, and the kids would get announced and run out to their position. And then Redmond would be standing in the dugout, and he'd be yelling out to the kid, "Sorry, number seven's got the day off." He's almost apologizing from the dugout that the kid's going to be disappointed when he sees number fifty-five running out behind the plate. <laughs> <laughs> so he'd be screaming. It would kind of wake us all up for the day games. We'd all start laughing. And I don't know. Red had that ability to just kind of make you laugh when you really needed to laugh. But he was—he had such a dry sense of humor. And, and there's some other stuff he did, uh, you know, in a food room that's probably not uh, sanitary health-wise. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> Wait, what? He was, he was one of those guys that you really needed on your team. Well, he would, you know, just some, walk into the food room and grab donuts without any clothes on, you know, yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> Might get called on that today. <laughs> how how frequent yeah. was he need somewhere to hang the donuts? All right, I didn't, I didn't uh, say no, that. No, no, no. How, how frequent was the n- naked walks? Because we certainly heard about those uh, and read about them in the Pioneer Press and Star Tribune. Did he really walk around naked as much as we were led to believe? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he took, I mean, and, so, and what was your what was your reaction the first time? Well, his his alias on the road was Oblique Man, so <laughs> <laughs> he called that his love handles Oblique. So <laughs> they were really Oblique. So it, it wasn't like uh, I don't know who I could say it was Gronkowski or something walking around. You know, it was uh, <laughs> it was Red, and, and Red. Uh, proud of whatever he was working with. You know, he, I mean, that, that that batting cage in the Metrodome was in right field, and I saw him take, he would go in there and take naked batting practice, saying he just wanted to feel free and, and loose and get his swing right, so he'd be down there 
taking BP down there without any clothes on. It sounds kind of ridiculous now. I mean, obviously it was ridiculous then too, but, you know, it's one of those things. It's a long season, and if you can't laugh at some point, it's going to be even longer. So he, he just kind of did that for us. He was he was a leader, but he was also a guy that showed us that you need to have some fun too. Amazing. I'm just trying to envision him like walking around an empty Metrodome. Just like, what if there's like, you know, people cleaning the seats? I'm no, sure they probably were. Make the walk. He wouldn't make the walk through from the from okay. the to the down the hallway. No, that'd be uh, getting some trouble there. No, it was always. <laughs> you're aware of anybody's around. You obviously couldn't get away with it now with the way everyone records everything and sends it all out. Sure. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. I mean, the the best was when you'd be sitting eating breakfast and he'd walk up naked with a donut and you're trying to eat some eggs and some sausage and he's a foot away from your face standing there trying to talk to you about that day's game so he was just, just straight face huh <laughs> oh yeah yeah dead serious like not there was nothing abnormal about what he was doing uh justin before we let you go and this is this has been awesome hearing stories about the 2006 twins and, and redmond uh whenever we do and hopefully we do get baseball back here in 2020 uh a what is what you know What's it been like for you? This would have been opening day today, and so um, what? What is today like for you? And what's your hope here for the for the rest of the summer? Well, it's weird. I was, I was actually watching that game one sixty three, <laughs> just like I did when it was being played. But you know, I was sitting there because uh, I you know was on the bench and in the dugout, and you know was hurt with the back. But so I haven't actually seen it from a different perspective. There's some games that I've never watched. Some some you just want to be able to remember them for what they were. You know, I've never watched the home run derby from Yankee Stadium. I've, I've never watched those kind of things because I want that memory to be what it was as opposed to what the commentators were saying or whatever it is. So I was watching that this morning, but, you know, it's kind of a somber thought, I guess. It's it's uh, one of those things, but it's obviously hopefully for the best in the long run for, for the health of the country and, and all the rest of it. But, you know, whether we get a shortened season or whatever ends up happening, I think uh, – it's going to be exciting because if it's a compressed schedule, there's going to be teams. You see it every year. You know, you see a team start off that nobody expected, you know, was in, in first place at the all-star break. Well, all of a sudden that team might be a uh, potential playoff team this year if the season's shortened. So I think it's going to add some excitement. It's going to add some, you know, some races maybe that were unexpected. Obviously the good teams are going to be good, but there's some of those teams that surprise you in the start of the year that might stick around a little bit longer and then have a chance at making the playoffs. I think we might have, you know, uh, 20 teams that are close as opposed to having, you know, the 12 or 14 that we usually get. So if, I think hopefully we get past all this and, and everyone gets out of this as, as healthy as we can and, and then we get back to some normalcy and, and sports become that distraction that everybody needs and, and that escape that everybody loves to have of, of everyday life, of, of, you know, kind of giving us something to look forward to that, uh, we don't have to think about much other than what's going on in that game that day. So we're really looking forward to uh, hopefully that happening in 2020 for baseball for sure. Amen. That's Justin Morneau, and we're looking forward to seeing you back on Fox Sports North here at some point soon. And uh, thanks for recapping and, and digging into the memory bank for the 2006 Twins Rewind episode, man. Thanks, Justin. <laughs> no problem. Thanks, guys. And if you want to find that full episode with Justin's chickens clucking in the background in full effect... You can find Minnesota Sports Rewind, Apple, Spotify, or the Score North app. couple programming notes. Tonight at 6 o'clock on Score North, Game 163 Rewind. A full deep dive with some stories from Michael Kadire. Uh, there's no actual Twins baseball, so we're going to take a look back in one of the great games of all time in Twins history at 6 o'clock tonight on Score North. We're also going to be live video streaming MLB The Show 2020's 
A's versus Twins in video game form with uh, with some Mystery Science Theater 3000 commentary over the top of it at 6.15 on Scorner Twitter, Facebook, or Twitch. So uh, wherever you, if you're looking for visual, we got you. If you're looking for audio, we got you here on Scorner. Let's come back with a pecking order that includes Twins viewing options on YouTube if you're looking for a little uh, little Twins itch to be scratched. And say Josenfels with some sage football wisdom here from the TCL studios. It's Mackie and Jeb with Rami on Score North and the Score North app. And we're all spending a lot more time at home these days. We're all looking. In fact, every time I hear chatter around the office here from the the very few people that are still here uh, trying to keep radio stations alive, it's all about what are you watching on Netflix? What are you watching on Hulu? What are you watching on Amazon, et cetera, et cetera? Well, TCL is the best TV for streaming because they have a built-in Roku device with 5,000 streaming channels and 500,000 TV shows and movies, you name it. It's available through TCL TVs. So I'm a cord cutter, so I have been diving into all of these streaming channels. But, I mean, if you're just looking to stockpile options and you don't have a TCL TV, you might want to do a little search on the interwebs and check out the best combination of price, of picture quality, and entertainment options. TCLUSA.com is also a great place to find out more information. Back with more Mackie and Jeb with Rami here shortly. Listen and win with the free Score North mobile app. Prizes up for grabs this month include three equalizer wedges and a precision milled forged putter courtesy of Ben Hogan Golf Equipment Company and MLB The Show 20 on PS4 available at theshow.com, which now includes full minor league rosters. Just download the Score North app, register your app, and you could be a winner. Cornhole is the best. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. It's a day to really think about things optimistically. I think every team in baseball thinks about things uh, in that sense. It's a day of optimism. And so, you know, when you look around, you don't get to experience, we're really not experiencing um, anything related to a normal opening day. Uh, We're not around the people that we're normally around. You know, your team, families come together on opening day. Fans come together on opening day. Uh, This is is different for a lot of people. But we know that. We acknowledge that. And and people are going to find ways to uh, really enjoy that next opening day whenever it comes. That's Rocco Baldelli, who just hopped off of a conference call with Derek Wetmore and a couple other Twins writers here in the Twin Cities. And how do you guys feel about that? Before we get into I've got a pecking order for you guys in the second year. Twins-related pecking order. And we'll get into some football discussion with our friend Sage Rosenfels. But I've thought a lot about that. When sports do come back, whatever the especially whatever the first event is, it's going to feel a lot like when 9-11 happened and baseball picked back up. Like There's going to be a national celebration but probably even more so in a lot of ways because we're going to wind up waiting longer than we did during 9-11. What do you guys think it's going to be like if baseball is the first sport that comes back and whatever, like it's a Yankees game, whatever that, like what's that going to feel like? Yankees, Red Sox, primetime game probably. I think it's going to be great, but in the case, so after September of 2001, when sports came back, it came back in what, seven days or so? And that was just sort of this pride thing as a country. This is going to be weird because as a huge sports fan, for me, it's not just going to be the pride of of the country. It's going to be this enormous relief that it's back. 
But also, I'm telling you, I think there's a ton of things about sports and sports that we love in particular that we just take for granted. And it's going to be gone for months now. So I think the weird, the weird thing that's going to be unlike um, when they came back from September 11th, Rami, is personally, I'm going to have an appreciation for little stuff that you might ordinarily laugh at or scoff at. But in this case, is going to be a big deal. Like batting practice, just dumb stuff that you're like, yeah, of course they do that. Um, it's going to be appreciated because it's going to be gone for so long. Just we're describing the scene, Mackie, of coming back and playing baseball eventually or whatever the first major sporting event is. And you weren't even going into great detail, but I just started going off in my mind to that day whenever it is, and I literally got chills. Yeah. The the hair on yeah. my arm started to stand up, and partly because I was I was at the first Cubs game played at Wrigley Field after 9-11 when Sammy Sosa hit the home run and ran around, pulled the, the American flag out of his pocket and ran around the bases, and... I'm I'm not a Sammy Sosa guy anymore because of what he did to the game and the cheating, but that's and because that's, of his Pinterest page mostly. Yeah, that's really weird. But that's that's one memory that like that that isn't tarnished that I don't feel like is has been taken away from me or that that doesn't hold water anymore for me because that was so much bigger than baseball and because of what Judd is talking about right now. I think. Look, sport, I say it all the time. Sports are just are just entertainment, and entertainment is just a distraction. You shouldn't take it that seriously but at the same time entertainment and distractions i think are really really important in life because if all you're doing with your time is paying attention to the big things and the things that really matter and the things that cause us stress and anxiety you're going to drive yourself crazy literally i don't say that lightly like anxiety and stress and mental illness are real things and if you don't have distractions in your life to take your mind off those things it it takes a toll mentally and physically on a person and it will tear you down and and so yeah i like i said it's it's supposed to be opening day guys and i already feel like it like we've been without baseball for months yeah. i'm not kidding. like i say it i say it half jokingly but there's a hole in my heart today like baseball and opening day holds a special place for me and the fact that we don't have that today like and there are much bigger issues tied to what we're going through right now in terms of the pandemic. But it, again, distractions are important, and I feel like something is missing from my life today. Well, that's a good segue here because there's a lot of Twins fans that probably feel the same way, and just a lot of a lot of non-Twins fans that probably feel the same way. Uh, I want to help in just a fraction. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be able to fill that whole hole in your heart, Rami, or, or Twins fans, but. We used to do weekly pecking orders on this show, and because there's no live sports and because we've got some time on the show going forward, we're going to bring back the weekly pecking order on Mackie and Jeb with Rami every Thursday, starting with this one. Let's fire this up, Jonathan. Nobody likes to rank random things more than Mackie, Judd, and Rami. What do you call this? Pecking order. <laughs> this pecking order, gentlemen... The 10 Twins games you can watch back on YouTube while you wait for baseball to return, all right? Mm -hmm. So if you're looking for a Twins fix, like full game fix, not just highlight clips, there's some there's some good stuff on YouTube if you're a Twins fan, okay? So uh I'm going to go I'm going to go in sort of two chunks here. I'm not going to rank them one through time. I'm going to give you a chunk of obvious classics and then a chunk of maybe not as obvious but Sleepers? available to watch. Yeah, B-sides, sleeper B-side games. Okay. You can watch in full on YouTube. All right, let's do this. So the obvious ones, 
are like Game 7 of the 1987 World Series. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's been a while, and I think a lot of people probably think... Uh, they, they probably think back to the 91 World Series before they think back to the 87 World Series, but you can watch Game 7 in full of the 1987 World Series on YouTube. Frankie Viola. First ever Twins World Championship. Yep. You can also watch Game 7 and Game 6 of the 1991 World Series, two of the greatest baseball games ever played. Speaking of greatest baseball games ever played, Game 163, which was on MLB Network today, is also available in full, four hours and 50 minutes in full, on YouTube. So those would be like... Yeah, but you can move quickly through it. You can. You can. Just honestly, just fast forward to like the eighth inning and then watch <laughs> then watch the rest. It's like two hours from so that God point in the game. God intended baseball to be viewed. <laughs> <laughs> but I would say those are like... That's like the Mount Rushmore of great Twins games, right? Game 7, 80, uh, 87. Game 6 and 7, 91. And then game 163. You're going to feel great at the end of all those games. They're all available in full on YouTube. All right? Okay. Here are the other six. Okay. That might not be as obviously available in full, not just clips, but they are available. 2002 ALDS Game 5 between the Twins and the A's. The Moneyball game, as I like to call it. The first Twins playoff series win, playoff clincher since the 1991 World Series. And uh, it was a... it was. I a, watched that one. We did a rewind for that. We did. Yeah. Which, which, by the way, will air tonight at 7 o'clock here. How about that? On Score North. ScoreNorth.com and the Score North app. Twins-Dodgers Game 7, 1965, with Vin Scully on the call in a snappy two hours and ten minutes. God bless the 60s. <laughs> By the way, so I went back and I was kind of watching through that game today on YouTube as I was researching the for Met. the specking order. And it was at the Met. The game ended, and you're so used to teams and players throwing their gloves in the air and piling on each other on the field. No, Sandy Koufax strikes out the final batter. Pitched a complete game. Mm-hmm. They won two to nothing in Game Seven. The Dodgers did. Mm-hmm. Koufax, by the way, was like grabbing his left arm after every pitch because he oh, had yeah. severe arthritis at the time. He retired shortly thereafter. Yeah, he pitched one more year. He was done. But there was no celebration on the field. They all just like shook hands and then they walked into the dugout and they walked into the clubhouse and then they did their celebrating in the clubhouse. But they didn't do an on-field celebration out of respect I, to Twins fans. I don't know. No, I don't think the on-field celebration started, especially with fans streaming on the field. I want to say it was the 69 Mets. When when the 69 Mets upset the Orioles, I think that's the first time that you had, and it was probably more the fans storming the, the field, but the 70s became just a complete gong show of fans storming the field, and it was sort of accepted and got bizarre. So I think in the 50s and 60s, teams... They might have celebrated, but it wasn't nearly what the uh, the situation it became. There's something about old timey baseball though that's kind of fun to go back and watch. Like just a two hour, oh yeah, move so snappy. Fast. Like hitters were swinging, pitchers were just taking handshakes. the sign. <laughs> no high fives, just handshakes. Yep. All right. By the way, high fives and handshakes thing of the past. That's over. Yeah. The line at the end of little league games, the good game line where y'all slap high fives. Done. Fist over. bumps? Do you, Fist think, bumps now? do you think handshakes are mostly over for society? Hopefully. Not like totally over, but hopefully. Probably. I've, I've been I've been calling for that for years. So yeah. hopefully this does it. People are finally starting to see things. It took my a way. pandemic, yeah. Rami, but you just got your way. And by the way, now everybody any people have made fun of me in the past, not to interrupt the pecking order. You guys included have made fun of me in the past because I've always been a grab grab the bathroom door handle with the toilet paper guy. That's just policy now. Look around the building. Every door 
has a has a trash can right next to it. Every door in our building has a trash can right next to it. You're a visionary. Thank you. You are a visionary. I am. Mommy. I really am. Yep. Staying home, staying away from people, not touching hands, washing constantly. I've been doing these things for years, people. It's time you all caught up. Robbie Makloff, the uh, sanitary you. visionary here. All right, four more games left on this pecking order. If you're a Twins fan, Twins games you can watch in full on YouTube or the internet right now. Okay. There's a, just a totally random game from June 1st, 1994. Twins Mariners at the Metrodome. It's a 2-1 win by the Twins over the Ken Griffey Jr. Mariners with Kevin Tappany on the mound pitching a gem and Kirby Puckett batting third in that game. Chad Hartman... And Tommy John on the call. Oh, wow. On MSC. If you just want some old, like, mid-90s twins, Ken Griffey Jr. in his prime, Jay Buhner. Wow. That, that was a fun Mariners team How'd to watch. How'd you find that? Just doing my search on YouTube. Doing research for the listeners. Research for the people. Nice. All right, three games left here. Okay. This is more depressing, but David Wells' perfect game against the Twins in 1998 at uh, Yankee Stadium. He was still drunk. It's great. It's available to watch in full. Speaking of the Yankees... The 2004 ALDS Game 1 Twins-Yankees is available in full. That would be the last time the Twins won a playoff game. The last Twins playoff win is available in full on YouTube. Okay. 2004 ALDS Game 1. And then uh, the 10th game to watch in full, the last scheduled game at the Metrodome, the last regular season game at the Metrodome, Twins-Royals from October 4th, 2009. Crowd was pumped up. The Twins were surging down the stretch. Trying to get back into the division race, trying to catch Detroit and force a game 163. They did that, and that's my list. Those are 10 games you can watch in full if you're a Twins fan on YouTube to get your fix. What's this June 1st, 94 game? It's totally you find random. It? Yeah, it's amazing. That's great, game. but it's it is completely amazing. random. That's really How good. How did you find that? Was that just, did the algorithm feed you that? And you're like, oh, nice, good game. Uh, I, yeah, I, it's, I, if you just search like twins full game there's on the nobody, internet. I'm watching the start, you guys. There's nobody there. There's about 25 people there. The left field stands decently populated. Besides that, nothing. Yeah, there's Chad and Tommy John. Yeah, the twins had kind of come down from their World Series, like 91 and 92. They oh, were yeah, awesome. by 94, it got, yeah. That 94, was it was like Kent Herbeck was at the end of his career, and Kirby Puckett was amazing. But that was pretty much it. It was Kirby Puckett. The Mariners are wearing, is that a teal that they're wearing? I'm watching a Griffey Jr. at bat. Yeah, it looks like it's, yeah, they're not real attractive. Yeah. Wow. In fact, would you guys like the mid '90s Mariners? Some of the most fun teams to watch in yep. baseball history. Just all the bombs that that team hit. They were a fun team. Absolutely. Was that Griffey and Arod? Was that that Mariners A-Rod, team? Arod, I believe, was a rookie in '94, wasn't he? Or was he '96? Arod came in in the mid '90s. I don't remember. But uh, but those are some fun teams. Do up Matt Wallback, Pat Mears, and Chuck Knobloch. <laughs> That's why Chuck's like, what am I doing here? Wait, Matt Wahlbeck. Oh, so Chuck Knobloch was still on that team. That's yes, right. in 94. Pat Mears at shortstop. Yeah. Pat Mears became pretty good. That was a scary thing. He, he was, was one of their okay. best players. No, but he, he was one of their best players by the end because they were so bad. They had like Rich Becker. Yeah, the problem there was the Twins had the obviously the best team in baseball in 91, and then they were really good in 92. And then that next wave of prospects that was supposed to oh. all right, come along with Kirby Puckett and... Knobloch, and then a bunch of prospects, and all of those guys, literally all of those guys flamed out and were terrible. David McCarty. Willie Banks. You remember Scott Stahoviak? Pat Mahomes. Stahoviak was supposed to play first base. I think he had played college baseball at Creighton. Yeah, you're right. They were just all, they were like, well, Rich Becker was supposed to be good. Darn it. He was supposed to be the guy who took over in center when Kirby moved to right. And he was supposed to be good. Yeah. 
So uh, that's the list. And if you guys find other games that you want to recommend, tweet them at Phil Mackey, at Jay Zolgad, at Rami is tweeting. Uh, 651-646-8255. It's still opening day to us, dang it. We're still celebrating it like it's opening day. Uh, John in Manhattan. What's going on with you, John? Dude, Barrios is dealing. I can't believe it. 12 strikeouts? Oh, my. It is. Honestly, this is better than I could have ever imagined. In five and, and, in five and a third innings, too. Like, how is that possible? Right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. He's got one more. Well, because, you know, obviously Garver dropped the ball. He's still working on his framing. So, you know, you got the extra strike out there. But I'm telling you, I'm telling you, that, that, that home run by Sano, we're going to see 70 of them this year. At least. At least. Boy, yeah. Sano looks pretty cut at the plate today, doesn't he? Looks pretty cut, man. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, out of everybody, like between him and Cruz, like, you know, I just, I feel like there's probably about 2% body fat going on. But you know and what? Between the two of them? Wow. That's impressive. Right. <laughs> and it's also no. <laughs> I think the best part about the game today so far, John in Manhattan, I think the best part is. The, the ringing double off the fence that Byron Buxton stopped short of the warning track on. It's okay. Give up that double. You're up four to nothing in he that really spot. He really learned his lesson, guys. He yeah. really learned his lesson. Don't crash yep. into the fence. Jeb was very proud when he saw that play today. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's, so, it's so wild that we were all so nervous about his shoulder, and it wasn't even a problem. You know, it's like he, he, looks, he looks like he never missed a game. Yeah. So pumped for this game right John, now. I love the enthusiasm. <laughs> I love the enthusiasm. I can't wait to get home and watch this on my DVR. Oh, I'm sorry if I spoiled anything for oh, you. It's okay. No, it's only that. We're yeah, gonna win, twins. We're gonna score. We're gonna win, twins. What's that baseball score? <laughs> that bat flip right, by well, Miguel. I'll call, you, I'll call you tomorrow with my uh, with my thoughts on the rest of the game and then my predictions for the weekend. Sounds good. We can we can fire up another episode of Did the bullpen do its job? That's what we can do. Yeah. <laughs> Clippard's been a great addition. He struck out two guys just now. Yeah. Tyler Clippard's fantastic. Yeah, he's got the rec specs, too. Just, uh... Took one day for us to go crazy and start imagining baseball as being played. That was John's took, fault, took but I'm willing long. to go down the path. Took that long. Wow. I'm on a text thread right now with two twins-loving friends. Yeah. And you guys are making up a baseball game? I have not chimed in yet, okay. but I'm going to read this to you, okay? All right. Donaldson, huge, absolute bomb. Bleeping destroyed it. The look in Billy Bean's eyes right now. Classic. Brios was fine. Velocity good. If Sano makes that pick, he's out at third. Yeah, that's going to be a work in progress, that defense. I'm fine with Buxton bunting there. Timing's still off. <laughs> was that a Polanco throw or a Donaldson throw that Miguel struggled with? And whose dad was it that said they're okay with bunting? Nobody's yeah. okay with bunting in 2020. Get out of here. Exactly. All you got to do is move that guy to third base, Rami, and you'll be fine. <laughs> All right, Mackie and Jeb with Rami here. Score North in the Score North app. And let's at least squeeze in. Football. A little bit of football conversation, some sage football wisdom with our friend Sage Rosenfels from Purple Daily on Mondays and Wednesdays at 2 o'clock. Uh, sage, what's going on with you, man? How's quarantine life treating you? You know, I feel pretty dang lucky. Uh, you know, I don't live in the city. I live in the suburbs over here in Omaha. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm staying into my house for the most part or taking kids on bike rides. Or I just got done playing nine holes of golf with my son. The weather's actually decent down here. Uh, so... I can't complain. I, I feel very fortunate in this situation that I don't live in New York like my aunt does, or I don't work at a hospital uh, like my girlfriend does. So, you know, I'm I feel very, very lucky that I am, you know, in the 
uh, state that we're all in, in a different sort of world right now. But I'm, I feel very fortunate that uh, um, I'm not in, uh, in, a, in a tougher situation. And plus, Sage, this is a perfect time now to do nothing but just grind tape. You can just grind quarterback tape continually. You can find the prospects. It's a perfect so, time. Yeah, so it, it really, actually, it's, it's funny you say that. It really is. I mean, it's, you know, I was in a class one time. They're talking about the winter time, like in Minnesota, these hard, long, dark winters. And it's like, it's a time to go inside. You know, it's time to go sort of in yourself. And, <laughs> and, but, 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 but internally, like, you know, to, to not be, maybe you, you don't go out as much in the summertime. It's a time to stay in, read a book. Think about your life, you know, blah. It's sort of it's just internalized things in general. So it's also like a time to grind the tape and be inside. And and I think it's I've taken a little break from it, uh, you know, after the combine. Definitely watched a lot going into that. And and but you know now that like my kids my kids have actually restarted school, of course, from home. But there's been this you know week or two week thing here of trying to figure out like where do I go from here. And uh, I think now that my kids started school today that uh, I'll have a little bit more time to grind some tape. Have you been grinding any Netflix with the extra time in isolation? Um, I, I'm i trying to think. Well, there was a couple nights where my son, uh, we watched uh, um, a couple movies from my, also my older sister who lives in Iowa City. She is staying with us currently. So we made my 18-year-old son watch Raising Arizona. Uh, one night, Great movie. Uh, and and the Revenant, an, another movie. Wow. So that, you know, that's a sort of, disturbing movie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I haven't seen yeah. That unless you're into well, crawling you know, into a horse's Revenant. dead body while wearing no clothes. But yeah, yeah listen, if anyone has seen Spoiler Revenant, alert. you know it's. I don't know what the year is, but it's like fur traders. Uh, you know, just trying to survive out in the wilderness of like I don't know the Montana Rockies or something like that it is. Is a is a is something else, and I thought to myself, you know, we've come a long ways, America, like we have. Like actually, point, Sage, the bad news is country. the bad news is the Revenant actually takes place in 2021. It's a look ahead here, 18 months time. <laughs> I know. I don't, believe me, I thought about that, and I realized that my bear killing skills were not up to par with Leonardo DiCaprio's role. So that was quite the movie. But yeah, I think uh, uh, you know, I have watched the movie. Uh, or there should say Netflix or it's, it's an HBO series. Barry is that Barry? Is that HBO? Oh, I love HBO. Barry. Great show. Barry, yeah, is it's on an, HBO. An amazing show. So, so good. You know, there's so many shows nowadays. I was just talking to my son today that when I was growing up, and I grew up in the country, we did not have gas or electric heat. My dad actually owned a, a wood stove company in my hometown. Like we sold wood burning stoves, fireplaces. So, uh, uh, you know, we didn't have cable. We didn't have direct TV. We didn't have those types of things. We spent our winters, you know, the only thing we watched TV was we had ABC, NBC, CBS, and PBS. We didn't even have Fox. So, you know, how far and how many options now that we have uh, um, is just incredible. So it's, it's hard to keep up with all the good shows that are out there. There are a lot of really good ones, and uh, you, you can't watch them all, but... Uh, it seems like there's like little worlds, little universes where everyone watches these same shows, so you have something in common to talk about. So, Sage, let's just let's just say the Vikings are. I think there's plenty of moves still to be made, and like there there are trade rumors out there. But let's say the Vikings make no no more moves that really move the needle here in free agency or via trade, and they're left with their 12 draft picks and then whatever they can get with a couple first round picks, second round pick, etc. They lose Stefan Diggs. Uh, you know, a lot of key pieces from that defense, they have to fill holes. How good is that team right now, basically, on paper? I mean, is it like an 8-8 eight and eight team in your mind? Like, what is what is this team for you right now? 
Yeah, maybe something like that. Maybe worse. I mean, let's talk about the positions that they have open. Who are their starting corners right now? Yeah. All right, we don't know. We, they need a starting wide receiver. And they actually probably, you know, they might need a third guy. I mean, they've got two guys who I look at sort of as third and fourth guys, but they need somebody who can really fly in this football team. They need that down-the-field guy. Uh, you know, Diggs was a really, really good player, but, you know, if you can get two starters for him, you know, that's a good spot. You need a defensive end. You know, that's key. So you have, you know, four, maybe five spots uh, uh, that you know, starters that they need, they need to find. And I don't know what summer's going to look like. You know, we'll see how all this stuff works, how much OTAs and off-season stuff and all those meetings that these young – if they have all these draft picks, but th- if those guys don't have a summer, those guys don't have really an off-season, yep. that's going to be hard to fill four or five starting spots with draft picks with guys who don't have a, a rookie off-season, right? So um, I don't know where, where where this football team is going to go. And, and obviously, you know, they've got Cousins on the extension. He's going to be the quarterback for the next two years. Um, but, you know, do they start making some trades? Of course, they have all those picks. Do they, do they try to make this trade with Washington uh, and get Trent Williams the left tackle? You know, and, and how much would Washington want for him? I, I think that's a really interesting spot. Um, and, and so the, there's a lot of questions on this football team, and we're getting late here in free agency. They, they have gotten some more cap dollars, at least, by some of these of letting these guys go. They were just over the cap. So they're just in a tough situation now. They need, I said, I would say at least four starters uh, to, uh, you know, that played as well as those guys, you know, played last year. There's some good players in there and, and guys, a lot of experience in those guys that have now left with Everson and, and obviously Stefan and, and uh, in these various other positions. So, Sage, how much would you be willing to give up and surrender for a 31-year-old left tackle who's had some health problems, but at the top of his game is still good. And I think as as far as tackles go, 31's not exactly ancient. What would that trade look like to you that would be a reasonable ask from Washington for the Vikings to make a deal that could take care of that left tackle position for, you know, let's say four years? I think that Washington just knows that they don't believe Trent Williams will play for them. And so the question is, what can they get in return at some point? you got to get something. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, the, if they would like to get probably something in this year's draft. So as we get closer, you know, who, who has offered the biggest number and, and also wants to deal with giving you know, Trent Williams, a 31-year-old tackle, a big contract. But, you know, I've seen guys like Whitworth uh, with the L.A. Rams. You know, they sort of got traded late in their career and still were good players for three, four years. I'd love to have a really good left tackle for the next three or four years. So, you know, he's obviously looking for another contract, probably his last big contract. But we don't know exactly what that's going to be because we don't really know what the trade compensation is yet. But i got to imagine Washington is going to either just uh, move him for, for almost nothing um, or, or just even a mid-round pick. Um, and or, you know, because teams also know, like, you know, at some point they're just going to cut him also. That's the other thing. So it's like who wants to wait it out and who's willing to not wait it out and just go get what they need. And, you know, do the Vikings think that's an upgrade at left tackle? Uh, and do they want that contract extension? So they're definitely a team that, that could always help their offensive line get better. Kirk Cousins is a really good quarterback if he has really good protection and he can stay in rhythm and be more of an executor, not a playmaker. And you know, having guys on the left side, a uh, left tackle like Williams, who has played you know, very, very well over the course of his career. 
Sage, the NFL is going forward with the uh, the draft as planned, not as originally planned. It'll be sort of a TV studio event. We'll be seeing inside the homes of some of the prospects, I think, rather than them all gathering in the auditorium. But NFL GMs are saying that this thing needs to be pushed back because of the process that they go through leading up to the draft, going to these kids' pro days, the, the face-to-face interviews that they do. How much of the work has been done this close to the draft, and how much is still left to do for scouts and, and front offices? And are, are we about to find out that this is as random as it seems? Is the NFL about to be exposed that for all the all the, the thought and work that goes into scouting that at the end of the day, the NFL draft is just random? Well, listen, you know, the, the Patriots are the greatest franchise of all time because they were so genius of drafting a quarterback in the sixth round and <laughs> being the greatest of all time. So, um, you know, I think there are ways for guys to still still sort of do these workouts. They're just not, you know, the ones that you uh, are traditionally seeing. But you can tape these guys, and they can tape their 40 times and their bench press, and, and they can, you know, do these different things. Uh, and I think still keep it safe, uh, but on video, right? And, and, you know, there could still be a draft. I don't know what, what summer football looks like. That's what I'm intrigued by. I'm surprised the NFL doesn't just sort of push everything back. Just one more month, we'll know a lot more. Or, or just start with two weeks or, you know, something like that. So um, yeah, I, I think they should push everything back just a little bit. There's just no big hurry, and, uh, and it's always nice to probably for these scouts. To, it's Another thing about these, about these you know, university workouts is, you know, let's say a school like Iowa State, they might have two, three guys get invited to the combine, maybe, maybe, maybe more, but there's all these other guys who are trying to make it too, and that's where teams find sometimes these guys also didn't make it to the combine. So... Um, it, it's a totally different deal, but I, you know, the the I, I, the NFL is trying to sort of do business as usual because every time you change one thing, it changes everything else, and it's a big ship. Uh, that $15 billion industry. Hey, let me go back. Sage Rosenfeld's with us here for uh, some Sage football wisdom. Mackie and Judd with Rami on the the Trent Williams front. It's 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 such interesting fodder because it's a position of need for the Vikings. They've got the at least the draft assets to make a trade, and they might even be able to. Swing it financially with a couple tweaks here and there. So, if Stefan Diggs hadn't fallen out of favor and vice versa, if it wasn't just time for Stefan Diggs to be traded, what do you think helps Kirk Cousins more? A second star receiver like Stefan Diggs or a top five left tackle if Trent Williams is healthy like Trent Williams? You know, that's a heck of a question. You know, I think the biggest difference is this I think a receiver can step in even with a shortened off season a shortened training camp or whatever it might be and play that left tackle is a very unique position um and, and by the way trent williams also played his washington offense very similar a lot of that zone scheme a lot of that play action and the bootleg type stuff so he'll be able to step in right away and the calls will be very similar uh, you know, he, he came into this, this league at that Kyle Shanahan offense, boom, who just came from Gary Kubiak. So, you know, a lot of things are going to be, he'll be able to step in right away and, and I think be very, very good in this offense. And so that's where I would think that makes more sense. And then receiver uh, somewhere in that draft, maybe get a young guy. Sage, last thing, um, and this is going to be a football-y football question, but it's a thing I'm curious about. Football. And you can probably at least attempt to answer it for me. There is, at this point, and we, we all know that coaches grind tape constantly, right? Like, they, they go in dark rooms and they grind tape and try and f- figure out what teams are doing offensively or what they can do schematically. 
Do you think, because there is literally, for these people, nothing to do now, that we are going to see things even more potentially creative? Now, the flip side to my question is practice time and implementation. But I almost expect that there's going to be coaches like McVay and stuff who come, who just basically seclude themselves for months now because they can't go out, basically, and come back in the fall when they begin play with concepts that might even be outside the scope of what we're used to seeing from guys like that. You know, that's a good question. I wonder, my my assumption is that they're still having meetings and they're going to have meetings. And, you know, let's just example up, you know, Brian Schottenheimer, Gary Kubiak. I imagine at some point they'll have their quarterbacks, their offense, their entire offense, the groups or whatever, they will have, just like students have, designed meetings over, you know, Zoom or, you know, one of these apps, and there will be film work within that. There will be homework within that. Um, and and the players, I promise you, are still out finding a way to work out in some way. Of course, not together, but, you know, guys, I'm, I'm sure, are lifting or, or, or whatever they're doing. Um, so I, I think there's going to be this physical side and lack of, like, so, you know, the physical cohesion together. But I probably – I would assume that these guys are in meetings probably even more – you know than they uh, than they were before. Sage, good talking football with you. Football. You guys stay you safe guys out there, man. Yeah. Do you guys think we will have all the OTAs this summer? No. No, no way. Do you guys think no. we'll have a start on training camp like January or I'm sorry, July 28th or whatever it usually starts? <sighs> I don't know. I I I made the prediction in our Write That Down segment last week, I think the NFL season starts without fans in the stands. Because they can get away with it more than like baseball, which is based on so local it, TV revenue and local ticket revenue. Yeah. Would you say this, though? Would you say that to get there, all the players would have to take a test? Yeah, basically. I would think like, so. Our testing has to get to the point where it's 75 minutes, all the players are taking a test literally before the game or whatever, and coaches. Yep. And... Right, that, and they would have yep. to. I mean, we'd have to be at that point. Absolutely. Before we get to that point, there's just no chance in it. I don't know. I'm just just sort of thinking out out loud, I guess, and one one no, I mean, opinion on it. And these are you know, think about like the four of us just kind of kicking around these. Like, think about being Roger Goodell or Rob Manford or Adam Silver right now and figuring out there the, there have to be football players right now who have this and we don't know. Correct. For, absolutely. There's no way that the entire yeah. National Football League does not have this. Like oh, somebody absolutely. or, you know, yeah. 10 guys have to have this. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I think the testing process makes perfect sense. And, and then if they all test clean, you can play. Well, there's other, the other aspect of the whole thing is, uh, and I think it's a blood test they're developing, which, you know, that you get tested to see if you have the antibodies. I'm not now we're talking science or whatever, but that if you have the antibodies of it, that you have had it, and then you basically probably won't get it again, I, I think <laughs> is possibly the thing. So they're coming out with that type of test as well um, uh, to see if you've, ha- not that you have it, but you, that you had it, you know, somewhere in the past. Because, you know, we all have our people are like, yeah, I had a terrible, you know, sort of flu fever thing, you know, a month ago, or people have had these things, but they just were, maybe they were younger or, or whatever, didn't affect them as much. And so, you know, you only can imagine how many people have had it and currently have it. And, and uh, but, you know, patience is, is, is going to be tough on everybody but i think what the nfl is doing is they are going you know we can do this business we can still do this business without having to be together you can still do the draft you can still do meetings you can still do these things in the off season that's not actually football and they just have to sort of wait wait it out 
Um, but, you know, it, it would definitely be uh, a very, very quick and interesting training camp if they didn't have any of the OTAs this summer, especially for those rookies. Yep, that's our football friend, Sage Rosenfels. Uh, find him on our show every Thursday and find him on Purple Daily with Matthew Collar on Mondays and Wednesdays at 2 o'clock. Sage, take care, man. We'll talk again next week, all right? All right, fellas. Looking forward to next week. All right, that's Sage Rosenfels. And uh, by the way, Rami. Yeah. And yeah. Judd and I both racking up points in the good question standings here on Mackie and Judd with Rami during you got that one? interview. That one must have slipped by me. I didn't hear him he say He got it. a heck of a question. Heck oh, of a question. Okay. A heck of a question. All right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so I now have seven on the season. Judd with five. Rami and Jonathan each with three. Collar did questions. tell me today I asked an excellent question. Excellent. Now, I know he's a staff member, but he went to excellent well, question. when I asked him a question. Nope. We were talking. It was uh, the first edition... Of a new segment on Score North Live, which is Dumb It Down. We're taking oh, yeah, okay. topics and subjects that we may not fully understand in the world of sports and having experts explain it to us. And Collar explained football analytics. And I asked him about how quarterbacks are measured given all the other things that have to go right for a quarterback to be successful. And he said, excellent question. Excellent nope. question. Excellent. Yeah. Good tune-up, though. Good, good, good tune-up for... Uh... For, nice for, practice for our show. Yep, you got to bring the audio to the show next Rami, time. Rami, this is very mean spirited. I am not on board with this. <laughs> the staff members. It's all right. Lately, you got to bring the audio to the show next time. It's cool. All right. Keep working That's on it. It's fine. It's right. opening day. By the, the way, did you, did you add my point for write that down? Since yes, we're talking we about did. things we that did. we need yep. to tally, our right. batting average is up at like four fifty now. Because <laughs> yeah. yeah. he called a shot on cram session the other day, and we have to get yeah because the judge crumbled. Gave what? it to him. Well, I was just too good to deny, Joe. You want to take yourself That's out of competition? Oh, yeah. oh by, by the way, I, I was told a month now, Rami, no points for a month in cram session after his ripping of soccer today. Yeah. I've been told it's going to be very ugly. Well, well, then I won't call that shot sources. again, will I? <laughs> in other news, when we come back, oh. Mackie and Jeb with Rami on Score North and the Score North app. It's still opening day to us, damn it. Jonathan here with the Score North download. Score North has partnered with the Ronald McDonald House Charities Upper Midwest to ensure our area children are receiving the meals they need during the coronavirus outbreak. Your contribution of any amount will enable the Ronald McDonald House to continue to provide critical services to families dealing with a child's health crisis, including overnight accommodations, complimentary meals, fully stocked pantries, laundry, and more. And thanks to Luis Arise and the Minnesota Twins, one lucky person who makes a, a, a donation of any amount will receive a signed Luis Arise Minnesota Twins jersey. To donate, please visit scorenorth.com. Keyword, donate. In other news... Yes, in other news where we take a break from the hard-hitting sports talk, we bring you here at Score North and bring you some of the more weird and wacky news from around the world, including from France. Gentlemen, either of you in ever been to France? Judd, you ever been to France? You're a traveler. Yeah. You're a traveler. Yeah, man. when I was 14. Really? Yep. Mackie? Ne- never been to France. No? Never dabbled. No water fountains. It's terrible. Walked around forever. Guys, what are you doing with your with your quarantine time? Not able to leave the house. Not able to get to the gym. You do. What are you guys doing with your quarantine time? Anything productive? Watching Bloodsport. Watching Bloodsport. Mackie, you doing anything productive? <laughs> Nothing productive. <laughs> but I did last night. Hanging out with, so depressed. Hanging out with that. my wife and my cat, Tommy. And well, that's pretty much it. as the world continues to grapple with the coronavirus outbreak and urges people to self-isolate, one man has decided to keep fit by running a full marathon on his balcony. 
Elisha Nokamovic, 32, <laughs> from Balma, a suburb of the southern French city of Toulouse, took the internet by storm after he was seen running 42.2 kilometers back and forth on the 23-foot-long balcony outside his property. The fitness enthusiast, who decided to complete the run at a slow, set, yet steady pace of 6 hours and 48 minutes, said he decided to carry out the challenge to de-dramatize the confinement situation. He said it was about launching a bit of a crazy challenge and bringing a bit of humor to de-dramatize the confinement situation. He was training for a marathon, gentlemen, when we were all told to stay the hell inside our houses and uh, wanted to make sure he could still run 40 kilometers even during this time that he can't get out and get his normal exercise okay. routine in. How big was the balcony again? 23 feet. By what? It's 23 well, square 20, feet? 23 feet long. I don't know how many how many square feet, but it's 23 feet long. And he's just so going back and he's forth. He's just going back and forth, yeah. I feel like he's probably cheating a little bit too, right? No, like he had a pedometer. He said he lost track of the laps while he was running because the mind will run, will wander when you're going back and forth on a 23 foot long balcony. But yeah, he said, I agreed. Said he had a pedometer on his watch I'd that kept problem. track for him. Yeah, yeah, me too. Same problem when I try and do. That. I mean, that's amazing. Good for that guy. I. Do you chafe the same way that you would in I a would marathon? I would imagine. Doing, yeah, I and would do all the things that happen when you run a marathon. And like, are there people that sort of like? Does your family reach out from the living room and into the patio balcony area and hand you water and snacks during the marathon? Like usually, so many questions. His girlfriend was bringing him drinks and M and M's. M and M's are key throughout the marathon. Good girlfriend. All right, gentlemen, this is from the New York Post. Okay, and I'm gonna I'm gonna sort of shift the paragraphs around here so that you guys can guess what happened here. Okay, a tick. You probably heard the first part of the story. I think it got brought up on the show at some point earlier this week, a TikTok personality known as Lars posted a, a video of himself licking a toilet bowl oh, yeah, I saw in New story. York yeah. oh, no, stop. for a nauseating online challenge, the coronavirus challenge, right? He, he said, listen, this is all ridiculous. Uh, or even if it's not, like my challenge is that I am going to lick a toilet bowl yeah. slash rim. Yeah. And there's a video of him doing this. And not I'm not talking about like the part that you sit on, I'm talking about the actual yeah. rim no. of the bowl. Oh, you didn't see this, Robbie? No. The actual yeah. rim of the bowl, Oh, this dude. was a thing. That's not yep. right. Yep. No. All right. So what yes. would you guys guess became of TikTok personality Lars? Can I, I guess first? Go ahead, Rami. Uh, he got the coronavirus. He has coronavirus. All right. <laughs> and he's in the hospital. He has been hospitalized. He said, quote, I tested, not to like, I mean, listen. I don't want anybody to get it, but but come on. No, no, hold on a second. If If you bring it on, I have no sympathy. This guy goes, quote, I tested positive for coronavirus. He's 21 years old from Beverly Hills, actually. Uh, Tweeted on an account that has since been suspended, the outlet reported. Good for these social media platforms that they went 10 or 15 years and like wouldn't suspend anyone for anything but now if you lick a toilet bowl during coronavirus period don't say that again you're suspended uh it's the coronavirus challenge now being deleted why are we so stupid (laughs) like why why are we as human beings rami mackloff did you you just ask that question at 5 50 50 p.m you're wondering how we got to 2020 oh my god can we um other news 
If you're going to throw that question out, I think you have to throw it out at 4 o'clock. Top of the hour? Uh, yeah, yeah, listen listen to the the top of the hour. We might have a chance okay. to explore it. All right, tomorrow at 5. How did we get so stupid? In other news, a man has been accused of grabbing a two-and-a-half-foot-long sword and chasing after another man who asked him to turn down his music, police in Manchester, New Hampshire said. A man knocked on the door of Benjamin Leyland, 47 on Monday, police said. Leyland reportedly became upset and grabbed his sword. He allegedly chased the man down a hall, police said. The man got away and Unfortunately, there were no injuries. Leyland was charged with criminal threatening. Should have been more than that. Scheduled to be arraigned on Tuesday. It wasn't immediately known if he had a lawyer who could speak on his behalf. Long story short. Long story short, this is why it takes an act of God for me to ask, like, if someone's music is too loud in in, in a hotel or something. I ordinarily just, it annoys me. But I put up with it because every once in a while you get a person like this. Okay, is it crazy for me to say that if presented with two different scenarios, one, someone pulls a gun on me, and two, someone pulls a sword on me, that the sword freaks me out more. <laughs> yeah. You, you can run from the yeah, sword. Yeah, I was going to say, I can run the from the sword. The gotcha. I just feel like like someone cuts your arm off. I mean, I'm not downplaying someone right, pulling a gun on you. Right, but you can take off. Okay? If they have a gun, they got a lot of, of runway. Also, even, even if we're in a close space, like, I might get lucky and get a punch in before you slice off my arm. Like, with a gun, I can't even get close enough to you to do that. Probably fair. fair. Like how we thought this through. (laughs) Absolutely. All right, go ahead, Rami. Uh, Let's see here. From England is where this comes, New York Post, but this is from England. Uh, Rolo, a seven-year-old dachshund in the United Kingdom, is so happy his owner is staying home during the coronavirus pandemic that he sprained his tail from wagging it so much. (laughs) On Friday, Emma Smith of Essex posted on Twitter that her happy-go-lucky wiener dog, who loves a good belly rub and has a predisposition for tail wagging, couldn't contain his excitement about the sudden constant companionship. And she wrote this in a Twitter post. So my dog has been so happy that everyone is home for quarantine that his tail has stopped working. So we went to the vet, and the vet said he sprained his tail from excessively wagging it. She included a string of laughing and broken heart emojis in the post, which was shared more than 140,000 wow. times and liked by more than 1 million people, including the morning show and friend star Jennifer Aniston. That's so sad. What a good dog. What I'm good looking dog. at him right now. He's a good boy. He's a good boy. Well, is, I mean, he's obviously happy. He's got his favorite Stella, toy, Stella, and is, his tail is just sagging. Stella is so sick of us, it's incredible. Like, <laughs> just she just looks at us like, why won't you people leave my house? Yeah, Tommy's kind of wondering, like, what the hell, guys? Listen, it's, it's been fun for a little while. Right, exactly but, right, but it's yeah, just run its course. My dog is thrilled. You guys' pets don't love you as much as mine loves me. Good boy, good boy, good boy. Oh, no, man. Seems like narcissistic complex there. Maybe. Right. Wouldn't be the first time uh, I've been accused of that. <laughs> We have 30 seconds left here, so my last story is very short and somewhat depressing here, gentlemen. That's good. Thanks. Let's end on a a depressing note. Gentlemen, New York City has additionally purchased 45 refrigerated truck trailers. Oh, I saw. Oh, no. Yeah, let's not finish this story. Yeah. For for, uh, hot dogs? For meat? Yeah, it was for hot dogs, Dredd. For hot dogs. For beer? For hot dogs, yep. That's uh, it. Happy opening day. We'll just leave that story Happy opening day, guys. Mackie and Jubb with Rami. Up next on Score North, Game 163 Rewind. And up next on Score North, Twitter, Facebook, and Twitch will be opening day, courtesy of MLB The Show 2020, A's versus Twins. With your friends at the Score North Twin Show, uh, Mystery Science Theater 3000 over the top of it. So 
All right, Judd Zolgad, uh, in other news, is powered, as always, by Josh Arnold Investments, and we've got Josh on the that's exactly right. It's time to talk to Josh, where you always get straight talk. What you don't get from Josh is sugar-coated advice. You can get that straight talk by calling Josh direct, 952-925-5608. We're listening to Josh right now with the Market Minute. Hi, Josh. Judd, big day. The machines were working in overtime today, as well as were individual investors pushing the Dow up to a close of of close of 22,552 up 1350 points. We've had three very strong days in a row. The last time we've had three strong days in a row was 1931. Uh do be prepared. Volatility is still up at a at very high levels and we have a weekend uh, we have a weekend coming, and the potential that the Congress may put a delay on the stimulus bill. So do be prepared for that. That's one of the reasons we continue to emphasize our asset allocation model of keeping up to 30% in cash, keeping 30 to 60% invested in value-oriented companies, and 30 to 60% in growth and to use for trading. There are plenty of values still available even after a pretty strong run in the market. We have been looking at real estate investment trusts, particularly in the gaming industry and in the industrial space, that are trading for 50% off. We still like some of the semiconductors also trading at some discounts, but still... Um, still offering some strong upside potential and do like what I would call some of our crown jewels, which have been knocked down. But in one particular case, Amazon, which has been a big winner in this sell-off, continue to see Amazon with a potential to 3,000. There are, we've continued to avoid, even though, Credit is starting to flow. We've avoided banks, definitely avoided energy. We are concerned with many of the industrials, despite Boeing's strong move up, as Boeing has gotten um, money behind them, and necessarily so. And we do like some select um, retail and apparel names such as favorite Nike. Nike just reported uh, better than expected earnings last night, and Nike saw its stock move yesterday up uh, $10. (laughs) (laughs) There we go again. (laughs) Yes, Judd, $10 a share. I talk so fast, and I've got so much to say and very little time to say it, but Nike's moved up a lot, and Nike's move uh, could be seen with Starbucks, which is another company we like. We've got more companies to tell you about, but you've got to call us at Josh Arnold uh, at 952-925-5608. Happy to sit down with anybody for a 48-minute consultation to review your portfolio. No cost nor obligation. Thank you, sir. Talk to you tomorrow. You got it.
Investment advisor services offered by Josh Arnold Investment Consultant, LLC, a registered advisor in the state of Minnesota. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All investments involve risk. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. 